0: RunAsRadio.com. You're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number six forty five, Windows Terminal with guest Richard Turner, recorded Tuesday, May twenty first, two thousand nineteen. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit SoundThoughtsLLC.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Bring him back. One of my favorites. Actually, it's the first time he's ever been on Run As Radio. This is Richard Turner, and he helped launch, drive, and grow the Windows subsystem for Linux back in the day. And it's also been heavily involved in the overhaul and modernization of the Windows console and command line, in the creation of the recently announced Windows Terminal, a modern open source terminal application for Windows command line users. Finally, <laughs> that's a good one, dude.
1: Finally, Finally. yeah, Finally. it's been a while, right?
0: I I don't know. This seems like the perfect time to do this.
1: Yeah, it, it it's interesting. I mean it. You you say uh, I was involved in WSL from way back, and yes, I was, but it's only been three years.
0: Yeah, it's funny. It's only been three years.
1: It feels like a lot longer
0: sometimes. (laughs) There were Unix support things in Windows going back decades, but there was a gap there.
1: There was. Uh, And funny enough, actually, if you go back far enough, Microsoft was the world's largest distributor of Unix back in the day with (laughs) Xenix.
0: Right, right, with Xenix.
1: A a period of our history that even most Microsofties aren't aware of. Um, and certainly those of us with <clears throat> a little gray in our beards, mm. um, might have uh, had some exposure to, but even that was early in my, my career. Um, but yeah. no, it, we've had a, a long history of, of working in Unix and Linux and a lot of Microsofties internally have had a lot of involvement with the development of both Unix and Linux over the years. Um, but it's been this last, I'd say, really, Five, maybe six years that we've really started paying attention—not just to Unix and Linux, but also the command line in general.
0: And I, 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 totally appreciate that. I don't. I did do a show with Tara Raj back in the day about WSL yep. when it was shiny and new, and she was amazing. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to go too far down that path. But that opening of this, we we need to use the command line for certain things. What I thought yeah. was fascinating with WSL is it wasn't aimed at IT folks; it was aimed at the devs. It was. At least initially.
1: Very specifically, actually.
0: Yeah. There were a
1: bunch of IT-type things and tools, especially things like network penetration tools, network monitoring tools, that WSL in its early days wasn't very good at running at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of those things have improved over, over the last couple of years, and some of those things are still very difficult to run today, but we primarily built WSL for the developer.
0: And it was specifically so that a dev could continue running in Windows, but was building software probably exactly. web apps that ran on, on some kind of Linux platform. They just exactly. need to make that interplay. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, a great example of that is, you know, if, you, if you've ever tried to get a a sophisticated Ruby on Rails project running on Windows. Oh,
0: getting anything, getting Ruby running well on Windows was just a pain in the butt.
1: It It was was difficult to get just Ruby running. Yeah. And then you go, now I'm going to include this gem and that gem and this gem. And then you realize that half of those gems are just wrappers around Linux binaries or wrappers around Linux shell scripts that expect the file system to look a particular way and expect certain commands to be available. And those things aren't there. And so of course they will fail. And so running Ruby on, on windows is painful. Um, similar with javascript and node but a little bit less so because it's a bit more modern and a lot more windows developers were working with node um so they kind of helped steer the community toward um, a more cross-platform oriented mindset yeah um but yeah there's a lot of command line tools that the next community sort of um expect to be there by default that simply isn't there on windows or works in a slightly different way on windows and tends to throw, throw things for a loop
0: yeah and as soon as you have to touch any of that code you're in trouble like now you own it yep. you have to exactly. and you take care of feeding for it and so the fact exactly. that i could take existing scripts and simply run them in wsl was it was magical really
1: yeah absolutely I mean, as Hanselman said right when, when he used to go to stack overflow pages and see the dollar sign here's a shell script to solve your problem and you go. Oh, that's not for me. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly WSL comes along. It's oh, I can do that now. Yeah. I can actually use that tool. I can use that script. I can I can employ this this solution to the problem that I'm currently having, um, running alongside all my Windows apps at the same time. And it was uh, it's quite a liberating thing once you start playing playing with it in earnest. It
0: is just a v- diff- very different way to think. Absolutely. So Windows Terminal. This was the big announcement at Build. Yes. or One of them. It was. We have a console. We have PowerShell. W- why do we yeah. need another thing?
1: <laughs> so so this is an important point of clarif- clarification, actually, that makes the rest of this conversation much easier to okay. follow. And that is that um, if you consider or if you've ever used a Mac or a Linux machine, you never start Bash directly. You always start the terminal app or iTerm or whatever terminal, GNOME terminal, whatever terminal it is that you want to use. You start the terminal app and it then launches a shell for you. Mm -hmm. In Windows, we've done things the other way around for the last 30 odd years. Um, In that, instead of launching conhost.exe, which is the name of the executable that provides the UI that you see on the screen um, that you type commands into. Uh, that essentially is a moral equivalent of a terminal, the conhost.exe. But no one ever launches conhost.exe because it wouldn't do anything if you just launched it by itself. Right. So in Windows, you launch CMD or PowerShell, which is the moral equivalent to bash on a Linux machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start the shell, and then Windows under the hood goes, ooh, were you launched from a process that already has standard in, standard out handles, which is traditionally a, a terminal app? If you weren't, I'll create a console for you, and I'll attach you up. Oh, right. interesting. So it's literally the other way around. It's literally the diametrically opposite yeah. approach to starting a command line environment. So on Windows, you run ping, or you, you can even, you know, if you hit your Windows key R and you use the run dialog, you can run ping, IP config, CMD, PowerShot, whatever you want. You can run whatever command line application you want from there. Right. And the... The NT loader basically says the create process mechanism says, "Oh, are you loading a Windows app? If so, go down this path. If you're loading a command line app, we'll go down this other path. That will spawn you a console instance if you don't already have one, and attach the two together, and off you go." Um, so on Windows, you're you're typing commands into and seeing the results of your commands executed on the console application, which is console.exe. Um, and you're talking to something like a CMD or a PowerShell or a WSL instance or IP config or whatever, or whatever command line app you're running. Right. Um, so that's essentially the model we have today. Um, but we, the, the big problem with Conhost in particular is that we can't really change it that much anymore. Hmm its primary job is there for backward compat
0: because you have older versions of windows like what what, what are we worried about
1: uh, in fact so consoles console and, and cmd's original goal was to run MS-DOS scripts. Right, of
0: course it was, going right. back to like Win95.
1: Uh, actually, if, if, if this is more oh. for the, the Windows NT side of things. So this is, it was introduced to Windows NT. Um, there was a console-like experience on Windows 95 as well. Okay. Uh, but that was a slightly different architecture. But for Windows NT, from NT351, they needed two things one of which was a command line environment in which to run before there was even a GUI in
0: windows. Right. I did have an NT three, one instance running, right. running the old Sybase SQL server, which there you go. by the way, was completely bulletproof. Like
1: <laughs> it was awesome. It's funny enough. That was my second ever job. Um, Having hated database systems at college because I just really dislike the way the course was taught, uh, it's the only <laughs> – I, I, I'm ashamed to say this. It's the only um, book I have ever destroyed was the <laughs> database systems textbook that we used in that course. And once I finished the course, I took it back to my apartment, put it in a tin bucket, and burned it. <laughs> and So that's it. I'm never touching a database ever again. And then the second job I, I took, I started uh, literally day two. They showed me to my desk. They sat me down and said, thud, here's the SQL Server 6.5, uh, I think it was, yeah. uh, for OS2, in fact. <laughs> um, we quickly moved to NT. Oh, um, and I was the SQL guy for a little while um, and had to learn databases all over again. And then I learned why they're so cool. Um but yes, it's, you know, when, when they're building NT, before there was a GUI, they needed some way to operate the computer. And right. Of course, the command line was the predominant way of doing so. And so they needed a, a command line experience and a, sh- and a shell. And so CMD was born. Um, CMD being the shell that you talk to via your conhost instance, your console instance. Right. Um, and that the the primary job of that, once they got the operating system up and running, the primary job of CMD and and conhost was to run all your existing MS DOS scripts.
0: That's what it was for. Just to give a place to let those run. Yes. Wow. It's the WSL of NT, right?
1: (laughs) Kind of. Yeah, yeah, for DOS. That's pretty funny. Because, of course, back then, you know, 90% of the computing, or the the personal computing, small business computing industry was all based on MS DOS.
0: Right. And so you're Um, you're trying to get them into the NT world. So you build a bridge back to what you used to do.
1: That's it. So it was it was one of the original bridges, if you think about Mm. it that way. Yeah. If you look at that marketing over the last few years with regard, you know, building bridges to desktop applications Mm -hmm. and so on. Um so essentially yeah, its job was was backward compact and and we've maintained that throughout all these years. You can still run MS-DOS scripts on Windows today. Sure. There, there are some things in MS-DOS that you can't do on NT because it doesn't make sense. Auto-exec and config-sys settings for <laughs> high-mem and all the rest of it. Uh, that doesn't work on NT. But all of your command scripts should run. Um, and we go to considerable lengths to make sure we don't break that wherever we p- can possibly get away with it. Um, but the problem is, you can only stretch that fabric so far before it starts to tear. Right. So users keep saying, "Hey, we want tabs, and we want emoji, and we want this, and we want to have that, and we want to... And we keep going, "Yeah, we would love to do that as well, but we can't do it because we're going to break backward compact. We did get cut and paste added to CMD. Yes. In fact, when when the team when the console team, or the, as we're now renaming ourselves, the command line team. Uh, first were formed back in about 2015. Um, The Windows console and the command line infrastructure in Windows basically had had no single owner in 20-odd years. Wow. And yet everybody and their dog had had their fingers in there, adding new features, adding new enhancements, and so on, but in a very targeted piecemeal fashion to accomplish particular goals, satisfy particular customer needs, and so on. Um, but there were relatively limited set of changes there. So we essentially had, uh, inherited this code base that was older than the devs working on it. Sure. Um, and which was incredibly fragile. It was.
0: And it, and it seems simple, but yeah, if you yes. had no sole owner, you, you, that means you probably didn't have a great test harness around it. Like, yeah, it could get really brittle.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the, the problem was, it was basically a big ball of string. You'd tug on a string on one side of the ball and the other half of the ball would fall off. Right. Um, and we had to basically uh, figure out, A, how the thing was constructed so how we could build it and how we could maintain it and add improvements and and started essentially decomposing and deconstructing this entire thing over the last several Windows releases since 2015, um, shipping twice a year with each of the Windows releases that have come out since. Right. And gradually adding and improving things over time. And we've essentially now deconstructed everything in console and rebuilt a lot of it. We've thrown away tens of thousands of lines of code replacing them with safe STL containers and smart pointers and many other uh, things that are that result in much safer more maintainable code um, and the net result is that we've also been able to introduce some changes so a, a proper line based instead of rectangular region based a proper line based copy and paste uh, was one of the first things we added we added a a pretty um Uh, Naive implementation of of background transparency in that we (laughs) because the console itself is actually a GDI application, it's not even uh, DirectX right now. Wow. Uh, It's a GDI app, so we basically use the GDI uh, facility to make a window transparent to varying degrees. Hmm. Uh, And so you can make your window transparent for those that want to see what's going on underneath while they're operating the, the foreground console. Um, but the problem is, it turns everything in the window transparent, including the border. <laughs> um, so if you if you wind the transparency of the console all the way up or all the way down, essentially the, the opacity, um, it becomes more and more transparent. But so does the text inside the console, right? Which makes it difficult to distinguish with text underneath, and it's not a not an ideal implementation, but. Uh, we always wanted to to improve that, but to do so, we'd have to do some heavy engineering and move, hopefully, to a direct text-based text rendering model and so on and so on. Um, and so we've we basically gotten to a point about a year and a half ago where we just had to stop saying yes to things. We had to kept saying, no, sorry, we can't do that because we can't do that because we can't do that because. And it was always, we're going to break someone. We're going to break an oil rig in the north. And it's, it's never like, you know, we break Rich's, Rich Campbell's video coding yeah. or encoding machine. It's we break an oil rig or a, a life support monitoring system right. or, you know, a car manufacturing plant. <laughs> or, you know, it's always something serious <laughs> something like that. Something huge, so, yeah. Yeah. So we, 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 we've grown quite risk averse in some ways.
0: So you guys weren't setting out to make something like Windows Terminal. You were trying, just trying to improve the console That's it. until you hit this wall
1: that's it and we said look at some point you can only stretch this thing so far mm-hmm. at some point you have to say let's start thinking about a new terminal where we can now you know the console will continue to ship in windows yeah, for decades you're never to come, gonna go going
0: to go away as long as there's a windows i'm guaranteed there's going to exactly. be a cmd just exactly. because there's so well, many well, dependencies
1: a, a con host but yeah specifically yeah, a con host, and, yeah. and cmd as well you know, as a shell yeah uh, there was an article a couple of years ago where someone was saying, oh, CMD is being deprecated because we changed the default shell in the in the the Windows key X uh, system menu, um, power to power users menu. We changed that from open a, a command prompt here to open PowerShell here. And there was a sudden article that went out and said, oh, Microsoft's deprecating CMD. Within 24 hours, I had major Customers and OEMs calling me saying, "What the hell are you doing? You can't remove CMD. We're, we rely on it." Right? And I'm, like, okay. I, so, I'm so not. We, <laughs> we 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 can't build Windows without CMD. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not going anywhere. Don't yeah, worry; it's going to be um, okay. So CMD is going to be in Windows for decades to come as well. But again, its primary job is backward compact. Right. It's largely in maintenance mode now, and basically we we can do even less to CMD than we can do in ConHost, the terminal UX that you see. Right. And of course. So for CMD itself, there's very little we can change there before we break someone. Makes sense. We move one character uh, into the wrong wrong position, and we we hear about it very quickly.
0: Some stuff breaks. And Rich, yes. I'm going to interrupt you for one second here for this very. very Very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects, called Already, focuses on getting volunteers into the right place at the right time using cloud and mobile technology. HTBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax deductible donation. HD Box is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. And we're back. It's Richard Campbell, Run As Radio. I'm talking to Richard Turner about the Windows Terminal. And I feel like we've set up for this is why you want to build a new terminal is to go forward from here. All the existing stuff is going to stay in place as it is and be cared and fed and security patched and stuff. But you want to put the new features into a new thing. So how do you talk about it? Where do you go?
1: Exactly. So, so yes, we started saying we want to do a new terminal. And management were like, really? People use the command line? We're like, yeah, really, seriously. They really do. They really Um, do. And we we started socializing and, and building the idea of building a terminal. And we we explored I think eight different tech stacks or combinations of tech stacks uh, as to what we would use to build this thing with. Hmm. You know, we explored JavaScript and Node and Electron. We looked at .NET and .NET Core. We looked at using Rust and Go. We looked at using all kinds of stuff. But we kept coming back to the fact that since we'd spent the last four years re-engineering the internals of the console, and now we had a collection of really well-factored, really nicely architected, um, relatively well-implemented, safe and known internal parts of a console, why would we not just reuse some of those parts sure. in the new terminal? So using the shared componentry that, that would be common between a console and a, and a terminal app, but then then take... Those shared components into a new terminal application, and then go wild on the UX features and 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 doing the things in the new terminal that we couldn't do in the console. And we kept coming back to that as a theme every time we prototype something. We go, oh, now we've got to go build a new text renderer on this text stack. Right. But we've already got one. Now we need a text buffer to actually store the text itself before it's displayed. Oh, we've already got one of those. Uh, we need a VT parser. Oh, we've got a pretty good one of those. And we kept coming back to the fact we had this common set of components. Mm -hmm. And so we said, okay, so what if we built the next terminal using some shared substrate that had essentially originated from the original console and had been modernized and overhauled? Use some of those shared components, build a brand new terminal application out of those and add on a whole host of new features. Take the take advantage of all the new advancements that have happened over the last 10 years or so in Windows in terms of having for example using the win ui components and using xaml for our ui engine mm-hmm. um, and then we could use direct x for the actual rendering of the text within our terminal itself and how huh, huh, if we're if we're building a new terminal renderer why would we not build that as a win ui component itself right so that third parties and and other teams can have a terminal embedded inside their app if they want and so that started to evolve. We spent the latter sort of uh, three months of last year and the first couple of months of this year prototyping and exploring all of that. And then we came, down, came back with a plan that said, okay, I think we've got a plan. This is coherent. It makes sense. It maximizes our prior investment. And it also allows us to leverage improvements moving forward." So as we continue to improve the terminal. And let's say we improve some of the the new text rendering engines features, some of those improvements can come back in box into the inbox console because what all we're changing there is the accuracy with which we're displaying text inside the console window. Right. Right? Because we're we we're, we're improving those shared components, the console benefits as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's a win-win there as well. Yeah, yeah. And then we said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could open source this? What? And a lot of people said exactly what you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: sorry, aren't you on the Windows team?
1: Yeah. And we kept saying, hey look, you see those PowerShell guys over there? They keep telling us how awesome their community is and how great they are at contributing not just code, but but, but uh, documentation and tests and samples and all kinds of stuff. And we said, hey, look at those .NET guys over there. They're having a lot of fun with their community as well. And we started socializing that idea of, of we should really open source this thing. And to be perfectly honest with you, inside the team, um, we always planned on doing that. In fact, when I came back into the company, one of the um, the um, sales lines that I was given to to encourage me to come back was, "And yes, we do plan on open sourcing this. It's taken us, uh, you know, two or three years to to finally get there." Sure. Um, but we said, "Okay, so can we open source this?" There were some complications because we were also open sourcing these shared components that had previously only existed inside the monolithic inbox console. Right. And so then we had to go. Okay, so if we're going to open source the terminal, we're also going to need to open source those shared components.
0: And those have previously been internal builds, closed source, like
1: internal builds. This is essentially
0: NT source code. Probably you have a bunch of patents about them. You know, like
1: yeah, there 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 are a few, not that many, interestingly, and and you know most of the most of the tech that we're talking about here is not particularly interesting to p- to platforms other than Windows. Sure. But we we kept saying, you know, we we really should do this. And we said, we've got these shared components, though. That's essentially exposing some of the existing command line infrastructure. Right. Wouldn't it be great if we could also open source the rest of the command line infrastructure while we're doing all of this? Which is an interesting line. Right. Because there's a a significant chunk of stuff that gets built as part of Windows console itself. And there's a whole engineering system there and a build engine and a test engine and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and that's the big thing about open sourcing. It is you have to go to a standard build system that other people can use. Exactly. Well, exactly. I can't imagine you build Windows in Visual Studio.
1: I'm pretty sure you don't. Well, funnily enough, <laughs> um, you can build fairly large chunks of Windows in VS. The whole thing? Certainly not. Right. Uh, you know, When we run a full Windows build... Um, it takes many hours and many machines, and uh, it's far too big to fit inside a single Win 32 uh, bit process, which is DevEnv. Um, but you know, all of Windows essentially builds on the command line itself. But it uses MS Build for many of its sub component chunks, and we'd actually moved the Windows console source out of our then internal source code management system that eventually migrated into git yes. we moved out into our own git project about three years ago mm-hmm. 300 gigs of source I believe I did a show on it for the full repo yeah, yeah. for our repo much smaller right the console is actually a very small part of the operating system in size it's only about a million or so lines of code in total um and it, it and, and that includes you know build scripts and test scripts and so on um, and we said, so we're already out of the Windows build system, we, we work in our Git repo. And then we have a system to automatically commit our changes back into inside internal. Uh, It's just lighter for us to work that way. And half the team works in Visual Studio, and they run all of the console, build and run all the console in Visual Studio. Half of them work in command line and Emacs and Vim and whatever their their chosen editor is.
0: And these are mostly C++ programmers, I presume.
1: They're C++ programmers, yeah, because all of the console is built in C, C++. Sure. uh, As is the new terminal as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, some, so there's there's a couple of guys that prefer Emacs. Uh, there's some of the guys that work in in Vim. There's someone who used, who's has used Sublime for the last several years. Uh, one of them uses uh, so, sorry Sublime and VS Code almost interchangeably. Right. Uh, and then other others of them work in Visual Studio. Nice. Um, but it's it's essentially a fairly manageable code size. It's not too scary. Um, and we basically started socialising this. We eventually got approval to. Open source, not just the terminal, but all of the command line plumbing that sits underneath it, the shared components, as well as all of the command line infrastructure in Windows that supports the running of command line apps. So you're actually able to, when you clone our repo, you actually get your first view into what the Windows NT source tree actually looks like, what our coding standards are, mm-hmm. uh, what code libraries we use to, inf- to, to make sure that we protect against things like buffer overruns. We have a, a really cool uh, include library, essentially, a bunch of include files that add a bunch of um, macros and utilities to help developers make sure that they follow good coding uh, practices. Uh, called Will, that itself was actually open-sourced about two weeks before build as well. Hmm. Um, and so all these things started to coalesce, and the, the stars started to align, and it all looked like it was going to happen in time for build. We finally got approval for build, and we went out at build, not just announcing the new terminal application itself, but also the whole command-line infrastructure that supports it, uh, and the running of command-line apps has been open-sourced as well.
0: I mean, I'm just blown away with this idea of pieces of Windows being open-source. <laughs> You know, we, we, you and I had a separate conversation about this, but I know that's it's out there. This, this, like the Windows subsystem for Linux, while there yep. is a GitHub repository and you do issues on it, the source code itself is not there.
1: It, it is, yeah. Nor um, that it doesn't so,
0: does it make sense to be there because it's so deeply integrated into Windows. But this is different. That's the big
1: challenge with WSL. Yeah. yeah. The, the The funny thing actually for Windows subsystem for Linux is it's not actually a formal Windows subsystem. Right. And it contains no Linux.
0: Yes, so it's perfect name. It's the, <laughs> the name is nailed. Right? <laughs> Perfectly named.
1: Um, but yeah, the, the essentially its job is to pretend to be Linux, yes. right? So it exposes a, a binary interface that applications can call into, so the applications don't have to be modified. Um, it exposes that binary interface and then it translates the calls that come in to open files, read files, write files and all that kind of stuff um, It translates those into calls into NT wherever it can and where it doesn't have a, an, an analog or an already existing implementation we then do some work to you know, maintain some, for example some tables that represent process states and security model stuff uh, that is very different in Unix and Linux than it is in Windows We do that internally in WSL um, but that windows subsystem for linux is is very gnarly uh driver kernel level stuff yeah and in fact it uses a facility in windows called pico processes for which a a pico process provider like wsl that essentially surfaces a a a call site that a kernel transition transitions into and then invokes a um, a method on the call receiver um that infrastructure requires that the, uh, that the, that the process server essentially, uh, loads before any third party code. So right. it has to A, be signed with a Windows signing key. It has to load very early in the boot process before any third party code arrives because it has to maintain a chain of trust to make sure that it can't be intercepted and, 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 and diverted into, uh, to doing the wrong things, because
0: you could do some naughty, naughty things that executing at that, exactly. that
1: yeah. level. But so the, the, even if we open source WSL, it, no one would be able to build it and run it.
0: Yeah, where the terminal so you can. That's like, right, and you can and right we, now. The stuff's on GitHub. If you could, exactly, if you know In the fact, process,
1: we, we haven't even actually pushed it to the store yet. There's still a f- couple of rough edges that hmm. we want to file off before we open this up to the broad public. Um, uh, there are a few annoyances. For example, if you if you uh, If you configure the JSON config file that allows you to choose what tabs you see, what colors, what fonts, what font sizes, and so on, if you format that wrong, right now we crash. Right. Um, So we need to harden that up a little bit. We're going to change our JSON serializer to use a more effective...
0: And we are recording this several weeks in advance, so I'm going to hope in the summertime it's out. Yes. By the time people hear this show...
1: Hopefully by the time this comes out, this should be either in the store or very... We'll be arriving in the store very, very shortly. Uh, for for everyone to then download and install it will be a preview mm-hmm. um we will be publishing several pre- previews between now and the end of the year when we aim to ship our v one if we can we'll obviously be taking feedback from the community and if we need a bit more bake time we'll push it off it we'll push off v one into the new year um but if we can and if the quality levels look good and we're getting uh, uh, positive feedback then we'll uh, we'll try and deliver this side of the new year
0: nice so if right off the bat, I think the feature everybody's after is the tabs. Like
1: tabs, that's the tabs, one. That's... Not just tabs, but customizable tabs. <laughs> oh, how customizable! How so? In the new Windows Terminal, mm-hmm. um, it's driven basically by a config file, a JSON config file. Mm-hmm. Um, in the UI itself, across the top of the window, you'll see the tab bar, and there's a little drop-down button. When you drop that down, it gives you a list of the types of tab that you can create you can create a a tab for cmd for powershell Um, you can configure that to have any number of types of things that you want and you configure that by hitting the settings item that's at the bottom of that drop-down list and it will open up a json file for you right now Mm -hmm. Um, in the future we're looking at adding a, a settings ux but we've learned from people like VS Code that uh, developers are actually and technical users are quite happy having a JSON file to go and hack around in, yeah. um, at least for now. Um, and that, that config file allows you to, t- to tweak and to control almost every aspect of the console's display and its, some of its behaviors. So you get to declare a list of chunks of JSON, each of which describe what we call as a profile. And that essentially corresponds with a type of tab that you can open. So we provide CMD and PowerShell to start with. And if you want to add a new tab for Ubuntu with WSL, Mm -hmm. you just copy and paste the blob of JSON. You can specify what command gets executed when that profile gets instantiated into a tab. You get to specify per tab what the background color is. Um, how much transparency and blur there are.
0: So I could use that to immediately see, oh, I'm in a PowerShell window or I'm in a, you know,
1: exactly. So you can change if you like the PowerShell blue background, you can use the default, uh, sorry, you can use a background color. That's the same color as the PowerShell blue, Mm -hmm. but you might apply a little blur to it. Right. And you might choose a different font face or a different sized font, depending on which shell you use, because you might have personal preferences there as well. Sure. Absolutely. Right. So when you're running Ubuntu, you might want to use the Ubuntu font. When you're running a CMD, you might want Consolas. When you're running PowerShell, you might want Fira code. Or you might want to use the new font that we're also creating and will be open sourcing uh, that we demonstrated at Build. Um, and uh, and and use that because mm-hmm. that has some nice visual uh, improvements and also supports things like programmers ligatures.
0: What What did you call that font?
1: So uh, we, funnily enough, my uh, my colleague uh, uh, Kayla Cinnamon has just tweeted this morning, as of the recording, mm-hmm. asking the Twitterverse which of these four names do you most prefer. Nice. And I'm not going to say which one I prefer, but Consolas Code, uh, sorry, uh, Cascadia Code is is uh, is is quite a popular one as a name. As a name. So we'll see what the final name ends up with. We've still got to do the the, you know, the legal searches and trademarks and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, but, but Cascadia is looking good. There's all, also Emerald Code and Seattle Code. and so all uh, got I think Pacific Cedar Northwest
0: Code. things, right?
1: All Pacific Northwest, yeah, yeah. as a theme. For, the, for um, those who aren't from
0: the, this part of the world, because you and I both live here, Cascadia <laughs> yes. is this concept of the west coast of North America from, from Alaska to California, all being its own country called
1: Cascadia. Yes, that, uh, either its own country or its own region. It's just called it a region. There, there's a cultural region up here yeah. where people like the outdoors and green trees and rain. Yes. Um, which is why we live here.
0: Yeah, because if you don't like those things, boy, you got problems. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> people <laughs> who don't like rain do not survive well in the no, Northwest.
0: No, and can handle the gray. Like I try That's to explain right. to people, yeah. you know, the, the it's not that it's cold in winter because it's not. It's that it's gray for a month. And if it's you, exactly, if you at least can't cope month, with that. Yeah.
1: It's, and then it turns beautiful, and we all remember why we, why we chose to live yeah. here. We, we, so, so we chose that as a theme, and, and I love we'll, it. we'll see what the community thinks, and we'll use the community's votes as a guide. Um, and then we'll also work with our legal team, obviously, to make sure that we're not trampling on anyone's uh, trademarks yeah, and copyrights, right. and then we'll choose a name for it. But that font includes um, a bunch of uh, tweaked characters that was actually custom-built for us uh, to our requirements, um, and also includes programmers' ligatures. So that, um, if you've ever seen things like Fira code, uh, if you, if you use the, uh, the JavaScript equals equals equals, right? Instead of having three equals signs next to each other, it essentially replaces them with a single glyph, which is three horizontal lines, one above the other that extend the width of three characters. So it still takes up the same space, but it replaces some programmer specific um, uh, symbol sequences with visual glyphs that help differentiate them and identify them a little bit more easily.
0: Yeah, so you don't have um, to count the equal signs. It becomes a symbol that are absolutely clear. That's the three exactly.
1: Equals. Yeah, there is no mistaking three horizontal lines that take up three character cells. Um, it's it's very clear and equals equals equals. It's not a spelling error.
0: Yeah, but I I, I do talk to folks who've been playing with fear of code and it's like. In some ways, it's almost like it's too far. You guys may have been picking a middle ground here.
1: Exactly, yeah. We wanted something that, that took some of the essences of Consolas, which is still very, very popular. You mm-hmm. know, It's been around for a while, but it's still very popular. Uh, took some of the visual cues from Consolas, updated a few of the characters with a few flourishes that we thought were quite cute. And quite attractive, added some programmers' ligatures, and we'll continue to evolve that. And because we're open sourcing it as well, if you're a, uh, an avid font designer, you'll also be able to join us and help submit ideas and potentially even contribute uh, uh, font fixes and improvements to that font set as well.
0: You know, I think about what happened to VS Code when it yes. came out a few years ago. This feels like VS Code for IT pros in some respects. like You don't yeah, we, know we what we the community is going to do We
1: ripping it. off their process. Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> and, and for good reason. I, I don't think anybody expected it to be taken the direction it went in and all the things that have happened to it. Like It's yeah. extraordinary
1: the way it's done. It is, it is amazing. I mean, th- that team and that community have done such an astonishing job. Um, for me, I think VS Code is... is The epitome of of what JavaScript can be used to build. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's astonishing how fast it is, how how quick it is to load, and so on. Uh, We talk with those guys all the time. Uh, Daniel Imms, Tyria on Twitter. Um, We speak with him on a regular basis because we're all working at the command line side of things, right? He's building the terminal panel uh, that goes into Visual Studio Code, as well as other stuff, obviously. Um, but he uses a lot of our infrastructure and and, uh, he's been a a huge help and advocate for us Uh, so we've been following a lot what VS Code have done, what PowerShell have done what .NET have done, and what other successful open sourcing projects at Microsoft have done to deal with how do you deal with a sudden influx of community Um, how do you deal with for example 300, sorry 450 issues being filed in less than two weeks (laughs) Um, we we are trying our best to be patient with us. Yeah, <laughs> um, some fifty odd PRs being submitted in less than two weeks. Man, um, it's it's been quite a rush for us. So we've learned a lot from those guys and and what to expect and how to deal with a bunch of situations. At the same time,
0: um, I look at what you guys did with WSL, mm-hmm. and even without source code, people submit issues, and within a week or two or three, seeing that issue appear a you know implemented or or executing in an insider build of windows with wsl i guess this is extraordinary like yes that i could present you with an idea like huh good idea there it is but that i think that's the thing that people want
1: there it is yeah and that was that was very deliberate that was very very deliberate just before we actually went public we were trying to say so when the community wants to ask ask questions where do they go Mm -hmm. and you know, Microsoft forums are good for some things, but they wouldn't be appropriate for this. And we said, well, what if Stack Overflow? Maybe. Um, but we kept coming back to this is, you know, the, the GitHub is the place where developers hang out. Right. And we said, what if we created a GitHub repo and allowed the developer, the community to speak directly to the engineers on the team? Shortcutting a bunch of steps that might end up in a loss of fidelity of information, or, you know, there may not be a way for people to share screenshots or code samples or traces or whatever. Whereas if we're in GitHub, people can attach screenshots and traces to, to comments in, in conversations about a bug and they can converse directly with the engineers on the team. They can go back and forth very quickly. The engineer can understand what the problem is, fix the problem, and the next build comes out in a few weeks' time after the, the fix has bubbled up through our build system and arrive in the public for people to see and enjoy. And we could not have built WSL to be as good as it is without that level of responsive feedback and from the without the community's resp- uh, help. Uh, it has been absolutely instrumental in the success of, of WSL. So we applied the same template for, for Terminal as well. We actually had a console repo a couple of years ago. Um, following on from WSL, we opened up a console repo mm-hmm. before there was a console line of code in there. <laughs> right. um, and we've had several hundred bugs filed through that and several tens of bugs fixed through that process. And we do exactly the same now with Terminal. In fact, we renamed the console repo to Terminal right? Um, and then pushed the code for the Terminal and the c- Windows command line uh, from the booth at build as we were leaving to go up to the keynote where it was being announced nice. over, co- over conference Wi-Fi. That's not um, too risky. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't stressed in any way. A little risky. Um, and then, you know, by that afternoon, we already had the first dozen or so pull requests come through nice. and the first couple of couple of tens of, um, of bugs being filed.
0: And these are people uh, submitting code, I guess, in C++ then too, right? Yes, like You're absolutely. tapping into a, the, the VS Code folks that's all javascript cuz it's electron
1: exactly and
0: this is a totally different group of developers i imagine there i mean yep. there might be a bit of but not a lot they're very different yep. kinds of coding
1: absolutely i mean the you know the the traditional terminal developer mm-hmm. up until 3 or 4 years ago was c c++ sure almost all the existing terminals are written in c yeah um, and then, you know, things like Hyper came along and then VS Code came along and they've been bouncing back and forth, improving the, the JavaScript terminal PTY infrastructure uh, side of the story. But there's still a lot of developers out there who've worked on VT parsers and text layout engines and text rendering engines and terminal technologies on other platforms. And we're starting to see a lot of those people pop up all over the place in our code base uh which is great and we absolutely love it and we, we openly welcome anyone in with an involvement or interest in working on a terminal and helping us build and improve the terminal to to deliver a terminal experience that we all would love to have. Uh to please come along and join us. Help, you know, just file bugs. Um file PRs and code requests if if you if you have the time to do so. Um file documentation improvements or mm-hmm. issues you know any and all involvement is welcome
0: awesome well rich you've been busy well your whole team has been at uh, obviously kayla and yeah i look at the code contributions and there are all sorts of folks that have been putting stuff into here including you absolutely um still miles to go it feels like early days
1: it is very early days uh, uh <laughs> this is very early in the development process mm-hmm. way earlier than most microsoft products are d- uh, uh, uh um exposed to the public essentially so you're very much seeing how the sausage is made yeah it will be a bit crashy right now <laughs> we're working to well, fix you're taking some, some chances
0: that. i also appreciate that there's existing windows code that's now like you want to see windows code that was written when it wasn't going to be scrutinized by the world like it's yeah. out there in these shared libraries so
1: absolutely there's some fun comments that we've left in there as well <laughs> uh, we've, we've removed very few comments there are only just a couple that had words
0: that we'll, shouldn't a little be
1: too far the public. Yes, so little um, too far. So, so we removed or changed a few of those words, but the vast majority of the comments in there are there from decades ago nice. that describe the internals of the console why certain things have to work certain ways, uh, which is fascinating to read in and of its own. Um, but yeah we, we continue to push forward um, we're looking forward to being able to get this into the public's hands around uh, probably end of June, mid mid June, end of June time frame nice. uh, and then driving monthly toward uh, getting to a V1 hopefully toward the end of the year um, and we look forward to, to hearing everyone's comments and thoughts and uh, suggestions and improvements
0: Awesome, Richard Turner thanks so much for coming on Runass
1: Thank you for having me on once again, appreciate and,
0: it And we'll talk to you next week on Runass Radio